Ooh, just remember, you got a bum knee there, toots. <laughs> uh, hey, good morning, everybody. And thank you for coming out again. I mean, I know I say this every Sunday, and I'm going to continue to say it every Sunday, so get used to hearing it. But the truth of it is, is it does my soul good to see so many people coming out on the weekend, especially on a Sunday, because it's so easy to sit back and say, oh, that's my only day to sleep in. I'm going to sleep in. But you chose to come here and worship your Father in heaven, and that is mighty humbling to me. And so on behalf of myself and the church, I just would like to say thank you. So thank you. Uh, today's sermon, we're going to look at some. We're going to look at some things, and hopefully, we get something from it. So, anyway, today's sermon is God and seven of His wonderful names. And as always, what do we like to do? We like to start our sermons off in our church as a family to see how the world views whatever the subject is that we're talking about, and then slowly build on it from there. And we do it again for a couple reasons. One is if the worldly view makes more sense, that's a good litmus test, get a little more in the spirit. If the spiritual theological definition makes a little more sense, chances are you're on the right path. But we got to start somewhere. Here's where we're going to start. Here's what the world would have to say about a name. A word or phrase by which a person, thing, or class of things is known, called or spoken, a word or words expressing some quality considered characteristic or descriptive of a person or thing, often showing approval or disapproval, the sacred designation of a deity. Even the worldview mentions God, but sadly, how do they mention it? Deity. Well, I got news for you. There's a zillion deities out there. Okay, that's number one. Number two, to lump our Father in heaven, the creator of a universe, in with Buddha, Allah, and all these other gods, Zeus, Loki, there's a zillion of them out there, is not fair to our Father in heaven. At all. But again, that's how the world would have you to think that, hey, that's how it goes. But fortunately for us, we are spiritual beings. We're going to dig a little deeper. We're going to see what it means theologically, what name means. Here's what it says. The biblical designations and identifications of the divine God, such as God is one, God is creator, God is redeemer, God the provider, God the healer, God of peace, God is one's banner, God of righteousness, God as shepherd, God as always present, along with and many more. These names are there to help one identify with whom God truly is. Ooh. Ooh. Drop the microphone and go home. Earn my pay today. See you again next Sunday. John's like, oh, we'll kick you right in the shin. Get back in that podium. Okay. But do we see the difference between definition A and definition B? Because definition A is saying deity. There's a million deities. What's this one saying? You're, he, they're really narrowing down our Father in heaven. And all the different things that he does, all the things that he will do, all the things that he has done. That's a big deal. 
It's a really big deal. And we're going to get into why it's such a big deal. Because a lot of times, see, here's the thing. All the other deities since the dawn of time, okay, here I am. It, it, it doesn't matter who it is. Don't matter. They all have it set up for the same thing. Here I am. I'm God. Worship me. And that's kind of about it. But see, our Father in heaven does what? He gives us different names to call him. Why? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but, the main, but, lot, but one of the main ones is, is he wants us to have a relationship with him. Does he not? It's about the relationship between us and our Father in heaven. That's what it's about. And one of the ways that we can have a better relationship with our Father in heaven is to better understand all the different attributes that our Father in heaven has. He's just not standing up on a, on a rock somewhere and go, look at me, I'm a big man on campus, like all the other deities. Our Father in heaven is going, hey, I can heal you. Let's have a relationship together. Hey, I can help. Let's have a relationship together. Not one other deity takes the time to do that. But our Father in heaven does. And that's what sets our God, Big G, apart from all the other gods. Teeny, tiny, itty, witty little G. Because to be honest with you, I think it's... That's why I make a, when I try to talk about my Father in heaven... I do make a conscious effort to say Father. Only because I try not to lump him in with all the other gods. To me, it's more, it's a respect thing. That's just a personal thing that I do. But my point of it is, is I am trying to be cognizant of knowing that he's my father. The gods are here. He's my father. He is God. Don't get me wrong. God of God, King of Kings. We know that. But I'm trying to get in tune with that personal relationship with him because at the end of the day, isn't that what he wants? At the end of the day, isn't that what we need? And that's what we're going to look at today. So, as a church family, let us dig a little deeper. We're going to start all the way back in Genesis. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Genesis 22, 1 through 8. After these things, God tested Abraham And said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young son, stay here to this young man. I'm sorry. Stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they, both of them went together. 
This is brutal. This is a brutal. It's an awesome passage. Don't get me wrong, but it's a brutal one all the same. Imagine a dad. Wouldn't be, it'd be the same thing for the mom, but the dad's the ones actually going to kind of go out and go do this thing. How many dads in here? God goes, hey, I want, by the way, next weekend, I want you to go sacrifice your one and only kid that you love to death. How many dads in here could do that? Raise your hand. Yeah, neither could. Really? Awesome. You're a good dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah? Awesome sauce. I wish I was five. You could add one to that and you'd be close to where I'm at. Oh, but see, here's the thing. That's brutal, isn't it? And then on top of that, he has the faith to go, okay, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be honest with you. I, this, yeah, this would, if, that, if I was Abraham, this verse would go a whole, probably a whole different other way. I'm, just, I'm not going to lie to you. That's probably, this verse would not be the same. Because I, pr- I would like to say I would have the faith, but the truth of it is, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I would. Well, until it's presented, you, we don't know what we would do. I'm just being honest with you. I probably would tank this one. But see, then here, let's look at this a little deeper, right? It says, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Now, think about this part of it now. Let's try to get into his head just a little bit. I don't know. I can't get in there, but I could venture to make a good wager that he's been traveling for three days, right? What do you think he's thinking about? You think in his head you hear the bus, the wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round for three days? Probably not. He's probably, he's probably riding that donkey and he's looking over at his kid and he's going, I got to sacrifice him. I love him to death. I got to take him up on a mountain. Kill my own kid, sacrifice him to my father. <sighs> so you know at this point he's been, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just venturing to say that he's probably been thinking about this for three days. He's human, right? But yet, he still got the faith, does he not? Because if he didn't have faith, first off, he would have told God No. Then he's been on his donkey for three days. He gets to the mountain, looks over, and goes, that's where i got to sacrifice my son. Again, he could have said no, but he didn't. And then we get all the way down to the end, and it says what? God will provide, right? He will provide the lamb. He already calls it before it happens. That's what kind of faith he has. That God will provide the lamb. Interesting thing, as I was preparing a sermon, I was sitting there, because I like to see like how things fit together. I'm just kind of, I don't know, wired that way. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm off my riddling. I don't know. But anyway, just keys. But, but anyhow, it's kind of interesting how we see on the third day, he sees the hill to where the lamb's going to be provided. And then what happens, what, and we can look at it too, on the third day, what? Our lamb was provided as well, right? I just thought that was kind of cool, you know. But we have to. But just as Abraham had faith for God to provide the lamb, and he did, we have to also see that God provided the lamb for us if we have faith as well. But the point of it is, God provided for Abraham, did He not? Because why? Abraham had faith. He had some faith. Okay. 
So if God can, could provide for Abraham, wouldn't it make sense to say theologically and logically that God will provide for us as well? Let's boil it down for a second. If God can provide for Abraham, will God not provide for us as well? Right? I mean, you can look at me and see that I, have, I haven't missed too many meals. Right? It's okay. You can call me fat. I'm cool with it. And happy. And happy, yeah. Every time my wife leaves. No, I'm just teasing. Ooh, no, I'm teasing. No, love her to death. But anyway, the truth of it is, he provides. And what happens is, is so many times us as Christians going through life, Satan likes to get in our head and make us think that God can't provide. He can't pull out something at zero hour. Oh, God won't. He loves to put that stuff in our head. But the truth of it is, when we need a job, does he not provide it? That like, oh, man, oh, gee. And all of a sudden it's provided for. I got more bills than month. Then all of a sudden, we get some weird check that we didn't even know we were supposed to get from whatever, whatever. Oh, yeah, that job we worked three years ago, they owed you a couple extra hundred bucks that, they, that you didn't even know that they owed you. But sure enough, there's the check. And all of a sudden, your bills are paid. You go into the hospital, and the doctors look at you and say, there is no way you're going to come out of here. But yet we do. God provides. And what's the cost? A little bit of faith? Not that bad of a trade-off, if you ask me. But this is one of God's aspects. This is one of his names. This is one of his attributes. So I'm just saying, hey, God. No. Father. Father in heaven. Jehovah Jireh. I need help. I need you to provide that fill in the blank. And God is faithful. He provides. Now, if I go, hey, God, Jehovah Jireh, looking for that new BMW S1000RR. Yeah. Am I asking correctly? No. Is that a want or a need? Want. Does God generally provide, not saying he don't, but for the most part, does he provide wants? No. Sometimes. But does he, mostly, does he mostly supply needs? Oh, yeah. He does give us wants here and there. But the point of it is, when we pray correctly and our heart's in the right place, Jehovah Jireh is our Father in heaven. He is saying, look, I will provide. That's how awesome he is. He takes the time to tell us these names so we can have a better relationship with him. Where He's just not this... this invisible thing floating up in the heavens somewhere. No, he's trying to make this personal for us so we can be personal with him. The next we're going to look at Jehovah Rapha. The Lord will heal. Exodus 15, 26, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. Here's another one. Jehovah Rapha. Now, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing these right. I'm not real good at this kind of stuff, pronouncing words. So if I get it off, give me a little bit of slack, please. But 
Here is another, just another personal name that we can have with our Father in heaven. Father, heal me. I am needing healed. Some of us need emotional healing, correct? Some of us need physical healing, correct? Some of us need physical healing, correct? Some of us need all the above, correct? Yes, God can heal. I can, can't tell you how many people that I know over the course of the year that, gesundheit, that should not be standing, walking, talking. But yet they're standing, walking, talking. Why? Because Jehovah Rapha healed. And again, what was the cost? Did you get a bill in the mail from your father in heaven say, you owe me how much? No. Um, the hospital will be more than happy to do that for you. Oh, yeah. You don't even get home and you already got three of them sitting in a mailbox. The joys of medical care. However, did your father in heaven send you a bill for bringing you home? Did your father in heaven send you a bill? I never got a bill from my father in heaven for saving me multiple times. Never got one. And I'm never going to get one. The only cost I have is having some faith that he can heal me, which I know he can. <coughs> he is an awesome father because he wants to heal. He's not going to sit up in heaven on his throne and go, Hey, Gabe, come here, check this out. Man, is he struggling. Ah, look at that. No, he's not. Why? Because he loves you. He loves me. He loves us. He wants us to be healed. Sometimes we got to go through some things. Why? I would love to have the answer to that. Make a million dollars and write a book about it. I can't answer that. Not going to even pretend to be able to answer that. But all I can say is, is if you're going through it, whether it's mentally or physically, spiritually or whateverly, don't be proud. Don't be afraid. As John said earlier... Don't be bashful. Drop on them knees and pray to your Father in heaven. Because Jehovah Rapha wants to heal you. He says he will heal. And he'll heal. Because he loves you that much. The next thing we're going to look at. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord our peace. Philippians 4.7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Who who couldn't use a little peace right about now? Oh yeah. Again, God is so awesome. Our Father in heaven is so awesome that he does what? Hey, call out. Drop on his knees. Hey, Father Shalom, I'm Oh, boy, I need some peace right about now. I need peace. I need a five-minute vacation in my own head. Can you help me out here? Please do away with me worrying about my bills, worrying about my body, worrying about friends and family and jobs and how I'm going to pay my bills. And I got no... I, Mother Hubbard went to the cupboard and it was bare. I got 8 billion miles on my car. I hope it lasts enough to get me home into work this week. Do we not have a million things rattling around up in there? Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to have a little bit of peace up in there? 
Yeah. How do we go about it? Well, a couple ways. That's another sermon for another day, which is con- focusing on the Lord, not the problem. That's a, that's a sermon for another day. But right now we're talking about the personal name of our Lord, Jehovah Shalom. For peace that he can give us. That does what it tells us. It surpasses all understanding. Ooh, I would be happy to have that right about now. I don't want to understand. Just give me that peace. But we can have that. We have to pray for it. It's not like we're going to have, we can go to Walmart and go over into the section of the, the peace section and go, oh, look, five minutes worth of peace. Yeah. And then go and pay for it and then go home and open up. You got, it, it doesn't work that way. True peace, true, true peace can only come from one place. Father in heaven. Because everything else is a temporary happiness that we think is peace. Anyone done, what do you call that? When you buy a bunch of stuff? Has anyone done retail therapy? Thinking they'll give you peace? I'm the only guy. Okay, we've got two people here. Everybody else does it. Okay, we've got three. All right, we're getting a little little closer to the truth now. Yeah. Have I done retail therapy in search of peace? Darn right I have. I ain't going to sit up here and lie to you. You betcha. And how much peace did I actually really have? How long did it really last? Not all that long, did it? How about you? 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Exactly. We have to. If we don't focus on the Lord, what do we focus on? Everything other than the Lord. And everything other than the Lord is going to get us where? <laughs> Nowhere and in trouble and no peace. <laughs> right? Right. It's brutal. I wish I would have learned this. I wish I would have learned that lesson a long time ago, but I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> you know? And so I've learned a lot of these things later in life. It's the truth. I'm not going to sit up here and act like a, oh, I had this. You know, there's great, I love hearing stories. Oh, yeah, I, was, I, was, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior at age 6, and I was baptizing people by age 10, and by 14 I became a I wish I could say that. I can't. But at least I learned at some point. But the truth of this is that we can have peace. And because of that, our Father in Heaven tells us, hey, have some faith. I'm Jehovah Shalom. I can give you peace. Next, we are going to be looking as soon as I get my paper apart. There we go. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. Exodus seventeen fifteen. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. This is a pretty intense one, too. Uh, I think a lot of people maybe missed the mark on it, but... A um, little bit of background on this. See, when Moses was up on a hill, we all know, and he had his staff, he did this, what happened? They were winning. And when he would drop it, they'd be losing. Well, here's the thing. They were fighting whom? They were fighting against, and again, I'm, I'm going to totally butcher this name, the Amicalites. I'm not sure if that's... But they were part of the Edomite race, which were descendants of Esau. But long story short... If you look at some of the rabbinical interpretations, Amalek, according to biblical scholars, is Akala, 
which means blood-lusting monster. Pretty intense. What makes it so intense? Those, that's who our guys were fighting. Blood-lusting monsters. Some people even go so far to say that that's where originally where vampires come from. That's, but anyway. But I do know that they considered them blood-lusting monsters. That's who they were fighting. So it wasn't like they were just fighting a neighbor across the street because he's blowing grass into your driveway. Instead of just turning the lawnmower this way, he turns it this way to purposely throw some grass in your yard. No. These guys were fighting for their lives. They were fighting blood-lusting monsters. And here's the thing. We all know when he did this, up on the hill, they won. When he did this, they would take a loss. Did anyone ever think about what that was? I always think this is cool. Again, I look at things differently. But what was Moses looking like when he's standing on a hill doing this? A cross. When he was focusing on Moses and his staff, which I get, but my thing is I, see, I always like to see parallels in things. Wow, that was kind of like the cross up on a hill. You focus in on a cross on a hill, you're going to win. You don't focus on a cross on a hill, you're going to lose. These guys experienced that firsthand. We can experience that firsthand too, like we were talking about earlier. We focus on our Lord. Are we okay? I might get a couple scrapes and black eyes and bust it up a little bit, but God will get us through it, right? Yeah. When we don't focus on the Lord, what happens? We're going to do a lot worse, aren't we? Our mind can go somewhere real dark real quick. I don't know about you, but my brain can go from bright and sunny to way dark, way quick. I have to focus on my Father in heaven. I have to. Do I not? Do we not? If we do not focus on the Lord and let the Lord be our banner, we are in trouble. Just like these guys were. He dropped that staff, they were in trouble. We dropped that faith, we're in trouble. See the, par- see the parallel with that. But our Lord is our banner. He should be our banner. He should be our all in all. He needs to be our all in all. He needs to be our 100%. He needs to be everything we have. He needs to be the reason why we exist. He is the reason why we exist, but we need to give him that respect. We need to give him that faith. We need to give back to him. But a lot of times we're so focused on all the things that we do in this lifetime that we miss that. And God's not our banner. What's our banner? Buying a new part for my motorcycle. Buying that, going out and buying that new Evo 4-4 speakers. I've been hounding for months on that. But the truth of it is, when all these other things are my banner, what's not my banner? The Father in heaven, everything else has taken his place. And we've all read the Bible, or at least have heard somebody talk about it in the Bible. God's not okay with that, is he? He says what? He's a jealous God. He's allowed. He created everything, didn't he? We're only breathing second to second because of him, right? So I think he has a right to say, hey, I'm focusing on me for two minutes. And the sad part is, is how, let's be honest with ourselves, in the course of 24 hours, how many times do we actually focus on our Father in heaven compared to the rest of the day? Sad. I, I do my best, but I would venture to say I focus on the world more than I focus on my Father in heaven. So the world's my banner, not my Father in heaven. Pretty sad. 
considering he got me to this point, considering he's saved me I don't know how many times that I know of, and I could, I could be willing to bet there's a zillion things he saved me from that I don't even know about. We can all say amen to that one, right? Because <laughs> we all know the things that we've done and said. We're just pretty lucky. But here's the thing. Let Jehovah Nisi be your Lord and banner. Because he can. He's proved it time and time and time and time again. <sighs> Getting down to the last couple of points. Oh, I'm going to tank on this one. Jehovah to sit the kinu. I'm, I, I'm not even close on that one, but that's the best I could do. The Lord, our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 5 through 6. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Oh, love that verse. Our Lord is our righteousness. Which gives us the reason to be bold, as you were talking about earlier, right? Why? Is your father righteous? Is it a righteous fight? Is he trying to have us do righteous things? Yes. Plain and simple. But see, so many of us, by today's society, by today's standards, try to make us feel less than righteous, less than worthy. Hey, just be seen and not heard. You got you, you, you Bible thumpers, just, just go over there somewhere. We'll, we'll get a holy if we need you. I doubt it, but just go over there. And we lose track and lose focus that our Father... Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the host of heaven, is righteous. If it wasn't righteous, then Satan would still be where? In heaven. Guess where he's not? Heaven. Why? Because he was not righteous. And he proves that time and time and time and time again. Does Satan often go to you and go, Hey! Go to church on Sunday. No, why? Because that'd be a righteous thing. Would Satan go, hey, remember that guy who wronged you a couple weeks ago? Blast him on Facebook. Does that sound like something would, Satan would have you do? Of course. Why? Because it's not righteous. So, just remember, when we're in our worldly fights, when we're in our, in our worldly lives, just remember one thing. Our Father in Heaven is righteous. We do our best to be righteous with Him, for Him, because of Him. Not always easy, but we can take joy from that. The world would like us to think that our, oh, yeah, that God, eh, that's, that's old stuff. doesn't apply today. Yeah, it does. Just as much as it applied then, it applies now. And just as he was righteous then, he is righteous now. And that will never change. Don't let the world make you think that, A, God's not righteous. And when you're having a discussion with somebody, whether or not Jesus Christ exists, be righteous in how you do it, how you handle it. Because Jesus Christ is also righteous. Righteous. 
Our Lord and Savior is also righteous. And we have a duty to be righteous. And what's so awesome about this, this was all set up before the dawn of time. God loves us. Our Father in Heaven loves us that much that He sat and figured all this stuff out. That often, that just... I know I'm a human being. We're all human beings. I just, I think about that a lot. Like how much work God, our Father in Heaven, puts into a day-to-day thing to make sure everything works out. This person gets the care that they need. This person gets the job that they need. This person is, has this person put in their path so they can talk, so they can get some stuff off their chest. This person and this person. And he works all this stuff out. This is one of those cases that he's worked this all out for us. Because he talks about the righteous branch. What's the righteous branch? Say that a little bit louder. Jesus. Thank you. Because he knew we needed help. We were crashing and burning pretty, pretty bad. And yet again, what's he do? Our Father in Heaven is righteous. He sent us a righteous branch to save us from ourselves. Pretty heavy duty. Don't run, don't run from this stuff. Embrace it. It's meant to be embraced. Don't be embarrassed of it. You got friends, family, coworkers, whatever, trying to make you think that you're... Well, if you was really smart, you wouldn't believe in this Jesus guy. That's just, that's just silly. For you, not for me. I know what he's done for me multiple times that I know of. It's righteous. And don't let anybody make you think that it's not. Down to the last two points. Jehovah Ra, the Lord is our shepherd. Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. We just talked about that. For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, this is a heavy-duty verse. (sighs) Jehovah-Rah, my shepherd. What's a shepherd do? We all know the movies, standing with the staff. But what exactly is a shepherd? What exactly is their job? To protect what? The flock of sheep. Exactly. Exactly. We're sheep. Here's a crazy thing. Not to be mean or anything, but in case no one knows... Are sheep exactly smart animals? <laughs> nope. You could have a cliff, and there goes the first sheep. Whoop. What's the one right behind him do? Hey, he went over. I'll do the same. Whoop. And what's the next one do? Hey, check out the first two fell over a cliff and died. I'll might as well go too. Whoop. 
sheep need help. Anybody here need help? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. What's that? Because sh- here's the thing. What's that, that, you know, that big thing they always had in the cartoons, that big, you know, that big staff? You know, when a guy's really bad on stage and they, all of a sudden that hook comes out and pulls him off stage? Well, the shepherd's got one of them, too. And it's kind of for the same reason. When we do something bad, what's Jesus doing with his staff? Oh, jeez, Wolfgang, oh, for the 9,247th time. Oh, come on. And pulls me out of my sin that I am in. Again. Maybe sometimes I'm, you know, I'm not quite heading that direction, but I am going that way. And once you do it, that staff doinks me on the head. Hey, McFly, what are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I got news for you. I know what you're getting ready to do. Knock it off. He's a shepherd. Our Father in Heaven is a shepherd, a true shepherd. He will give up his life for his flock. Oh, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus Christ do that? Oh, wait. Yeah, he did. Didn't say he would do it. He did it. He gave his life for us. That's what kind of a shepherd he is. He is taking care of his flock. Pretty intense. Because again, can anybody in this room name me a God who did the same thing other than our Lord and Savior? Anybody. I'll wait. And it was like, the food's getting cold. Okay. No other God, little g, is a shepherd. No other God, little g, deity, whatever you want to call it, has taken the time to do what our shepherd has done, will do, and continues to do for what? His flock. Pretty, pretty intense. Now, they talk about the valley of the shadow of death. What exactly was that? Does anybody know? I'll tell you what it was. It was a valley going in. Very narrow. One way in, one way out. Once you were in there, you was in there. You could only go that way or this way. And very steep hills. Well, mountains, really. And once you were in there... It was easy target. Because all I had to do is sit up there and go, hi. Then you just go down and take all your stuff and go back up on the hill and, wait for, and throw the body behind a rock and wait for the next bunch to come in. Oh, man, we're going to be eating good this weekend. Intense. Trouble for those who pass through that. What could we, again, do the parallel thing? What would that look like today? Life. Our world. Everything's attacking us, isn't it? Get on social media. You will see some crazy stuff. I just was watching, uh, doing a little bit of research, and the new movement seems to be to have... um, I don't know if I should even open it. Well, we'll get. Where that churches are preaching a lot of heresies. I don't know another way to say it. And it's very flamboyant heresies. And everybody's okay with it. And churches like ours who have biblical 
foundations and biblical thoughts and biblical reasoning and have a relationship with our Father in Heaven, we're being tried to made to be the bad guys. We are being presented as we need to be hated because of our belief in our Father in Heaven and what His words say, what they mean. His words didn't mean something 2,000 years ago and all of a sudden one day just say, forget it. If He meant it then, He meant it now. And we'll have a sermon on that at some point once I can kind of get it all worked out in my head. But it's pretty bizarre. But see, our shepherd protects us from that kind of crazy stuff. And we need to understand that. We need to call upon our Father in Heaven to protect us, to be that shepherd, to save us from not only ourselves, but to save us from that world. Because that world is getting awfully weird out there. Every time you pick up a social media page or a newspaper or a news a magazine or just a little blurb on something, it gets more and more bizarre. Like, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm a stranger in my own life. I mean, not that I'm like super old, I'm not super young either, but, you know, not that many years ago, life made a little bit of sense. A little weird, but I mean, at least it made a little bit of sense. Now, everything that makes sense can't make sense, and the things that don't make sense is what's being portrayed as normal. That's our valley. That is our current valley that we have to get through. And the thing is, is we have to do what to get through it? Because I got news for you. Ain't nobody getting out of this life alive. We have to call on who? Jehovah Ra, our shepherd, for help, for protection. Every time I talk to Jesus, I'm like, hey, bring that staff of yours. Bring two of them. (laughs) I'm really off track here. But again, why does he give us these names? He gives us these names to make it personal. Because he is interested in that relationship. He's a, in, no, he's, yes, he is. He's so interested in the relationship. He took the time out of everything he's doing to give names to his attributes. So when we're going through whatever it is that we're going through, we have these names to connect. It makes it a little bit easier, doesn't it? For me, it does. Oh, hey, Father in Heaven. Yes, I get that. But you're my shepherd too? And you gave me this name to call upon when I talk to you? Wow, you really do care. Because he cares about us that much. Our last point. Jehovah Shemarah. I'm Again, I'm mispronouncing it. The Lord is always present. Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Man. Wanted to kind of end on a happy, upbeat note. Well, I should say God did. I'm just repeating what he wants me to talk about. What's this saying? He's always what? Present. He's always here. He's not up in the bathroom while, you know, we're in surgery. He's not playing the Sony PlayStation when, you know, when the you-know-what is hitting the you-know-what. He's always present. He's always been present. He's always been. Always was and always what? 
will be. What? Present. Again, he loves us so much. What's it saying? He will dwell with them. Does that say he's going to have some gigantic castle somewhere and us peasants will be allowed to pop up some tents out on the front lawn and he might come down and hang out with his subjects for a hot minute and then go back to his castle? Does it say that? No. Think about that for one second because if this doesn't humble you, I don't know what does. That the creator, our Father in heaven, the creator of everything, wants to do what? Dwell with us. For when? A hot second? A weekend? How long? Yes. Yes, he does. And we're going to be where? With him. In them. We're not, he, we're not going to be over there somewhere, and he's going to be over there somewhere. He is going to be with us forever. Imagine that. The creator of the universe wants to hang out and go, hey, how's it going? How are things? What's he also say when we get to heaven? It's another verse, but what's he also say when we get there? He wants to dwell and go, hey, I see you're crying. Let me get that tear for you. The creator of the universe is going to dry your tear? That's personal service, folks. That's also love. Because how many people do we know in our, in our course of our life that if they've seen us crying, we just go, hey, I hope you feel better. I hope you get over it and walk away and leave you there. Just drenched in tears. Does that ever happen to anybody? Just Wolfgang. Okay. But the creator of the universe is going to take time to dwell with us forever because he's always present. That is the most hum- it's one of the most humbling things that I can think of. I got family that doesn't want to hang out with me. <laughs> Being honest. But yet, the creator of the universe wants to dwell with me. And not only that, he wants me to dwell with him. Is that not awesome? And refreshing. It's refreshing. That's peace. That should give us peace, right? Because when we get to that point, we have made the deluxe apartment in the sky. We're good. We're golden. Forever. So what's the point of this whole sermon? Here's the point. Your father, my father, our father in heaven, has taken the time not only to work everything out for us, but he has also taken the time to give us names to call him, to call upon, to have a better relationship with him, to better be in tune with him, so you and him can have some time together to work on things. So it's not some, hey, deity up there. No. You can call on him by the most personal name. Not, hey God. I mean, you can, but again, we talked about that. There's a bunch of them. And he knows that you're talking to him, but he loves you so much that he wants you to call upon him in the most personal of personal ways. It's like if your name's 
Jonathan, hey, call me John. What did he just tell you? Hey, we're on a deeper friendship now. That, that, just John. Pretty awesome stuff. So, that was a sermon. What better way to, earn, to end a sermon than by taking communion? Before, hey, Sir Gimsalot, I'm just teasing. I love you, Mama. Before we take communion, I'd just like to take a second to explain communion. A lot of churches, unfortunately, is just something they hurry up and just get through at the end of service because it's just something you hurry up and get through at the end of the service. Reason we don't do this every Sunday is we like to keep it reverent. We like to give our Father in Heaven the honor. We like to give Jesus Christ the respect and the honor that is due Him for the sacrifices that He made, for that His Father made, so we can do this. And yes, we would love to do this every week, but it becomes ritual. And we all know what Jesus said about rituals. It's that relationship. Communion should be something that is here, not here. Because when it's this, you lose this. And communion is about this. Check your heart. Check your heart. Be thankful for the things that your Father in Heaven has given you. Be thankful for the things that He's done for you. As we commune and take communion together, give a little bit of thanks. Because a lot of people sometimes they just, hey, everybody else got the bread, okay, boom, done. Okay, time for the Kool-Aid, okay, done. Give thanks. Because that's a representation of his body that was broken and the blood that was spilled by God for us. So when we're doing this, let's not forget, let's give thanks in our hearts, in our minds, and our souls for the things that he had to go through because of us.